Good morning. Time to begin a worship service this morning. We have a couple, a few visitors with us, and we're certainly glad to have you with us this morning and invite you back to the evening services at 6 o'clock. They was moved up from 4 o'clock last week. We now have them at 6 o'clock of an evening. Also encourage you to fill out the, uh, a card if you're visiting with us. There should be a card in the, in the back of the pew and, and drop it off in the box in the back would be fine. I want to mention our men's retreat uh, that we had this past weekend. We had, uh, we had five different congregations uh, represented. We had five different preachers there. And probably a dozen teenage or under young people. And we had a very good turnout. Had a, uh, had a good evening. I uh, want to thank the ladies for the desserts and the barbecue and, and other things that was uh, pitched in. Uh, out of 41 guys, you know, we ate quite a bit of it, I can tell you that. But we had, we had a real good, real good weekend. Also, uh, the speaker just uh, let you know he really touched base with our young people. He, he, he got really personal with them and talked to them and asked them their names and, and, and more than once. And, and he really involved them and, and he encouraged the men, uh, encouraged us to be better fathers and, and husbands and, and Christians and uh and our responsibility to the church. And, and the last thing, the last lesson he told us, he said, just doing right isn't enough. And, and if you think about that statement, just doing right isn't enough, that says, that says a whole lot right there. This evening, the deacons will be meeting at 5 o'clock. And then uh, after service, the elders and deacons will be meeting. Here this evening. If you would check your bulletins for those uh, who are hurting or whatever needs they have, and uh, also for upcoming events later after after the service, they will go over that uh, in the announcements. So as we begin our service this morning, bow with me as we go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this uh, another day you've given us. Thankful, Father, for all that, that you do for us. And, and Father, we pray that, uh, that we don't take things for granted. Father, we pray that you will help us to, to be the, the people that you would have us to be. and Help us, Father, to serve you more. Help us to make you first in our lives. And, and Father, and to realize that then, just, just doing right isn't enough, that, that we have responsibilities as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, as, as, uh, as we are told that uh, at every opportunity that we have to do good to one another, and especially to the household of faith, and we pray that we can apply that to our lives. Father, we ask that you'll be with Chris this morning as, as he brings us another lesson. Help us to be attentive and help us to use uh, his lesson, Father, in our everyday uh, 
living and and father that that we act on the, on things that are spoken this morning help us always to to do your word father we pray for those of this congregation who are sick we pray father for the ones who are listed in the bulletin and the names that will be mentioned this morning we pray that uh, you'll continue to be with Yvonne Cornell as she's in the hospital and and continue to bless her and, and and Father, and those who are sick spiritually, those who aren't here because they have chosen not to be, we, we pray, Father, that, that you'll bless them, but something that uh, we might say or something uh, that may be done would touch, touch their heart, Father, and, and uh, realize the need that they have to be back to worship. Be with us, Father. Forgive us when we fall short of what you would have us to do. And, and we thank you for Jesus, and we thank you, Father, that uh, he was willing to come and die on the cross for us. In his name we pray, amen. Would you stand as we sing our first song, please? First thing this morning, number 663, there's sunshine in my soul, 663. <clears throat> There is sunshine in my soul today, more glory and bright than it goes in any earthly sky. For me, the days fly by. Oh, there's sunshine, there's This morning, number 664, There Stands a Rock, 664. Next to this hand, Brother Joe Galloway will have our scripture reading and prayer. There stands a rock on shores of time that 
Please bow with me in prayer. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come here and to worship you, Father, and to give you the appreciation of our souls for being a child of yours. Father, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for our brother Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that we might become yours. Father, you've done so much for us above and beyond that we just sometimes forget to say thank you. But we do thank you and we love you for taking care of us. Father, there's many on our hearts that are hurting, hurting for all kinds of reasons. But those that are sick and unable to be here, those that are fighting cancer, Father, we pray for Kristen and her family, for Jennifer Baker and her family. Father, we pray for Marvin, Pam, as they heal 
bless David, help him to be able to find reasons and success in his health issues. Father, please be with Yvonne Cornell. Please be with Danny Wheeler. All of us that are hurting. Father, if I have forgotten some, each one of us here has people on our heart. Ask you to search our hearts and help us to help them. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to come and to open your word and learn about you. Learn how you'd have us to be. Father, work on our attitudes and our desires. Help us to want to become the kind of person you have us to be. Bless Chris as he presents a lesson and help him, Father, to say the things that would enable us to do those things we need to do. Father, thank you for our elders and for our deacons. Bless them, Father, as they work to make the church what it can be in this community. Thank you, Father, for your son and for his sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Help us, Father, to love each other that way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The reading is from Ephesians chapter 3. The last two verses, if you're going to follow along, it's Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Next time this morning, number 662. 662. There is a fountain. <clears throat> There is a fountain filled with the broad, broad, in Daniel's veins, and sinners blush.
When a U.S. Navy vessel arrives or departs from the military bases in Pearl Harbor, the crew lines up in dress uniform along the sides of the ship. They stand at attention on the outer edges of the deck, saluting the soldiers and the sailors and the civilians who lost their lives on December 7, 1941. Participants in this salute often listed among the most memorable moments of their military career. Even for spectators on shore, the salute triggers an incredible emotional connection between the servants of today and the servants of yesterday. It grants nobility to the work of today's sailor, but at the same time, it, it grants dignity to the sacrifice of those who were previously lost. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, it was to create this same kind of emotional bond. Our participation honors his sacrifice, and it gives us a connection to him unlike any other act of worship. And just as the Navy carefully and reverently prescribes the way it remembers and salutes the fallen, the scripture teaches us how to remember and to salute our Savior. The Lord's Supper serves to honor past action, and also gives purpose to our present condition. The New International Reader's Version of the Bible translates 1 Corinthians 11 this way. I passed on to you what I received from the Lord. On the night the Lord Jesus was handed over to his enemies, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body. It's given for you. Every time you eat it, do it in memory of me. In the same way, after, tup, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This cup is the new covenant and my blood. Every time you drink it, do it in memory of me. When you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So do not eat the bread or drink the cup of the Lord in a way that isn't worthy of him. If you do, you'll be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord.
A person should take careful look at himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Anyone who eats and drinks must recognize the body of the Lord. If he doesn't, God will judge him for it. Remember our Savior. Examine ourselves. Recognize his body. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we are thankful for another opportunity to come together to remember your son. We're thankful, Father, for for his life, for his example, his teaching. Most of all, Father, though, we are thankful for his death and his sacrifice. We're thankful for your plan that you had to redeem us to you from the beginning of the world. Help us, Father, to examine ourselves. Help us to partake of this bread, recognizing the body of Christ. And help us to do it in a worthy manner, worthy of your Son. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me again, please? In recognizing the body, Father, we, we understand that each time his body was broken, his blood was spilled. We understand, Father, that it is that blood that saves us, that cleanses us. And that blood, Father, was the, the one and only ultimate sacrifice for our sins. I'm thankful once again, Father, for the opportunity and the time to remember your son, his body, and his blood, and the home waiting us in heaven when this life is over. We're thankful, Father, for, for Jesus and what he means to us. Bless us as we take this cup, Father, and help us to do in a worthy manner. Remembering your son, we pray in his name. In addition to this act of worship, we're also commanded to 
and give back to the church what we've been blessed with, uh, recognizing that all we have comes from above. Traditionally, we've taken this time, as we had used to have, men passing the plates, passing the communion, so we would take up our offering at this time. So we don't do that anymore. We have boxes located in the back. Uh, you can drop your contribution in back there. Uh, would you pray with me again, please? <clears throat> Father, all that we have and all that we are is a gift from you. Uh, we realize, Father, that we are um, blessed beyond measure. Uh, help us, Father, to be appropriate servants of what you've given us. Help us to use what we have to serve and help those around us. Help us to give, Father, cheerfully, knowing full well that, that what we give will be used in some way to strengthen, to build up your kingdom. Continue to watch over each of us, Father. Continue to bless us as we serve you and help us to never forget who we belong to. Thankful for all things. Thankful for your son. Thank you. Thankful for your love. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 671. 671. There's a royal banner. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. There's a royal banner given for his blood to the soldiers of the king. As an inside pair, we fill it up today. Yeah. 
The invitation to him this morning, 667. There's power in the blood. This time, Brother Chris. I know that's scary for, for some of you guys. That's a, today we're talking about fear and, and confidence, and I can't believe that just showed up like that. That's kind of terrifying, isn't it? I'm sure. So, man, I apologize. I know some of that set you guys, some of y'all set you back a little bit. That's very. But they're afraid of it. Um. Fear will drive you to do some very unusual things, won't it? Some people are afraid of being without their cell phones. That may be more of us today than it was 10 years ago, right? Uh, especially if I'm traveling, I don't know, to say a men's retreat that I've been to several times that I can't find without my cell phone for some reason. Some of people are afraid of being without their cell phones. Uh, this one was probably the funniest to me. Some people are afraid of peanut butter sticking to the roof of their mouth. Anybody in there? I want to talk to you afterwards. If, so I think that one's really interesting. Um, so today we're talking about fear and some of the strange things that fear will make you do. Uh, is this on? I'm not on. My mic's not on, but this one is. Okay, gotcha. I have a fear of not being able to be heard. So, today we're talking about fear and what it can do to you and some of the strange things that fear will make you, will make you do. Let me tell you a story first, though. Go ahead and be turning to Hebrews chapter 10. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. But let me tell you a story. Uh, I bet you don't know the guy to the left of this picture, but you might know the gentleman holding the, uh, the, the camera there. That's Thomas Edison never seen a picture of him that's that's what he looked like at least in his older age that's uh, thomas edison the man to the left there holding the film is a guy named george eastman you may not have even heard of george eastman but back in the late 1800s george eastman founded the kodak company he is a brilliant brilliant man uh he's an inventor of course uh cameras are using um the technology to be able to see a printed photograph is there. This guy brings it to the masses. He figures out how to print it on paper. Uh, eventually, how to roll it up and put it in the, in the camera. He makes the first camera. Uh, it's just an incredible, innovative genius. Uh, his work led to several different uh, innovations, including this, this camera to the, to the left here. It is called the Brownie. He sold it for $5 in the early 1900s. It was incredibly cheap. Most people could have access to one. And you would send that thing off. You would send it back to him. He personally would develop your film. And then he would send you back the camera with a brand new loaded thing of film inside of it. Um, and so everybody had access. At least m most people, the masses, had access to cameras bringing us Kodak moments, right? That's the kind of influence this company has had on our society. You say, I say Kodak moments. 
even when I'm using my cell phone, which is not a Kodak cell phone, I say, oh, that's a Kodak moment. Look at that. There's Ethan sitting on the potty. That's a Kodak moment. <coughs> it's about five pictures back in my camera roll. I'll show you later. Uh, so, uh, but his company also brought us x-rays. Did you know that? Kodak allowed the technology to come through to make x-rays. He also made uh, the technology for movie theaters, the film that, that movie theaters show came through Kodak. In fact, Thomas Edison worked with George Eastman to figure out how to be able to do that. And so he is an incredible inventor, just very innovative. Uh, and all the way through the early 1900s, 1920s or so, he's getting older in age, and so he passes off the company to someone else. He passes away, I think, when he's in his 80s. Um, it's just in, innovating, innovative innovating the entire time all of his life he passes on to the next generation they too are innovators just doing a lot of really neat things uh, they bring us those one roll um, throwaway cameras uh, and things like that and eventually you get to the 1960s this guy steve sasson made the very first digital camera did you know kodak made the very first digital camera 1967 that's all right, maybe it's 1975. Uh, 1975, this guy makes the very first digital camera. He is an engineer working at Kodak. He brings this massive camera to them, and they laugh him out of the building. Nobody's going to want that. That's ridiculous. That'll never hit. Really cool, really innovative. Good job, Steve. But let's, let's put that on the back burner. Don't tell anybody about this, and, and we'll just we'll sit on this. And they did for decades sat on this technology while they did some studies uh, about whether this was actually going to be able to be moved out to the masses like their original camera was whether people would actually want this like who wants not printed pictures Ew. right who would want a digital camera and so they just kind of laughed this guy uh, out of the building and sat on the technology for several decades 2007 comes around, and they finally called up to the curve, and they think, you know, this whole digital camera thing, that might catch on. And so they try to, to get on board with it, but it's day late, dollar short. They uh, have already missed their opportunity, and so because of fear, because, <coughs> excuse me, because of fear, they have sat back and not done anything. They were really comfortable in their model of you sending out the, the, the rolls of film to them. They develop them. They send you a brand new film. They were really comfortable with that. And in fact, that's their business model. They, uh, that's how they made their money. They would sell the cameras very cheaply, but then they would sell uh, more film, and that's how they would make their money. And so when they came to these digital cameras, they thought, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, we're, we're not going to do that. That's scary. Uh, we just need to back off that. We're going to stick with what we know works. Fear makes us do some strange things, doesn't it? Now looking back on it, several decades later, they see the problem. But by this point, they're not even a camera industry anymore. They went bankrupt in 2014, 2016, somewhere around in there. And uh, now they're, they're still in business, so to speak, but they don't, they don't sell cameras not really anymore. So when we come to Hebrews 10, what's that have to do with 
what we're studying today in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 11 through 18. I've broken down for you on the board behind me. Let's dive into the text a little bit. Let me remind you where we have been. Since chapter 8, uh, whoever wrote Hebrews has been talking to us about this new covenant, this new deal that God wants to make with his people. He's talked to us about it an awful lot. Uh, he says that this is the one and only way to be relieved of your guilt. A lot of us carry some guilt around. He says that doesn't exist in the kingdom. You've been purified from that. Like the, we sang this morning, uh, all those guilty stains have been washed away. Those things are gone now thanks to the power of Jesus' blood. He also says that it took a pure and voluntary sacrifice through Jesus as that pure and voluntary sacrifice to get us to that point. And now we have to voluntarily choose pureness, purity, uh, to Him, to be acceptable to Him. So He's talked to us a lot about this new covenant. And today, He's bringing that to an end. And this is how He ends it. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 11. He says this, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. We've heard that a multiplicity of times throughout this text, haven't we? In fact, that's one of the things he's been drilling down into is the insufficiency of the old law and how superior Jesus' law is. This law, those guys had to come in every single year and they were all daily. They were making sacrifices um, because their sins were still on them. They were still guilty. <coughs> But that was the problem with the old law. It didn't have the ability to remove guilt. So these guys had to continually make these sacrifices, but it was all for not because these sacrifices can't take away sins. Verse 12, he says, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Now that's different than what would normally happen, right? If the high priest comes into the, the holy place, then the most holy place... He would there make the, the sacrifice, and he does what? He doesn't sit down. Well, why not? Because it's not appropriate for humans to sit in the presence of deity, right? So he doesn't sit down. But also, his job's not done. He's still got work to do, right? And so he's not sitting down. He's continually standing, continually offering, continually working. And the Hebrew writer says, Jesus made a one-time sacrifice, and he sat down. Why? Well, A, because he himself is deity. So it's appropriate for him to sit beside deity because he is he's the king, he's deity. But also because he made this one-time sacrifice, and now it's, it's done, and he makes intercession for us now. Verse 13 says, Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. We're reminded here, and intentionally so, that it's not good to be an enemy of the cross. And so how do you become an enemy of Jesus? How do you become an enemy of Jesus? How do you become a friend of him? He says, if you love me, you what? You obey my commands. So if I disobey his commands, then what? I'm his enemy. God reminds us through the Hebrew author that there's coming a day when all the enemies of Jesus will be made a footstool. They'll be condemned. They'll be put under. 
There's an awful lot of people in the world that think that they're right in believing that God's not real, that there's not going to be, even if he is real, any condemnation for their actions, that they can live however they would like to live, that the smorgasbord Christianity that our culture screams at us so loudly that you can believe whatever you would like to believe, that you can take this belief and this belief and this belief and cobble together your own belief despite what Scripture says. God would tell us through the Hebrew author that there's coming a day when those people will be set straight. And that will be a day of mourning for them. When all of God's enemies should be made a footstool for Jesus' feet. Verse 14, he says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. We're in the process of being sanctified, right? We're, we live in a kingdom of already and not yet. We're, we're, we're saved, right? But we're not perfect. And we're going through this sanctification process where we are pure, thanks to Jesus' blood, but we're also being made pure. And so we're not there, but we are there. It's a little bit of a, a, of a, a paradigm shift there, I guess. <coughs> Listen to what else he says. Here's, here's how we know he's bringing this argument to a close. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 15 through 18, he's going to remind us what he has already said in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 8. When he starts talking about this kingdom, when he starts talking about this new covenant that God wants to make with people, he, he reiterates these verses. He rewrites, he requotes them. And it's kind of like the beginning of a new paragraph for us. Um, in, in ancient uh, Greek, they don't, they don't have paragraphs. It's all one line. And so how are you going to figure out whether you're changing topics or not? Well, this is one of the ways that the ancients used to figure out whether how the document that they were writing would be moving on to a new thought, especially in Scripture. They would quote something here, and then they would make their argument, and then they would quote it again here to kind of sum, summarize what all they've said. So that's what we're trying to do today. We're summarizing what he said in these last two chapters. That's, I think, what he wants us to do here. And so listen to what he says again from Jeremiah 31 here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15. He says, And the Holy Spirit... <coughs> Also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Those two thoughts are connected. And the Hebrew writer needs us to see that those two thoughts are connected. With this new covenant comes a brand new slate. A brand new opportunity. Uh, everything has been washed away at this point. You get a brand new start. Paul would talk about it as a brand new, uh, as a new creation in the New Testament. That's that's what Jeremiah in, in chapter thirty-one here quoted to us by the Hebrew author is trying to get us to see. You've got a brand new start because God has remembered our sins no more. They're gone. He's not going to act on those things anymore. Before, before you were inside of Christ, before you, your sins were washed away through the power of Jesus' blood, He remembered those things. And when God remembers something, what's He do? He acts on it. When God remembers something, He acts on it. And so how will He act on your sin if He hasn't forgotten it? He only forgets it through the power of the blood. So if he remembers it, 
Condemnation is coming. Judgment's coming. Punishment's coming. If he remembers it. The Hebrew writer says here, there's a way that he will forget it. There's a way that he'll put it aside. There's a way that he won't act on it anymore. This is the power of Jesus' sacrifice. You get into Christ through baptism and he has your, you know, all your sins are washed away. And at that point he remembers our sins and our lawless deeds no more. Verse 18 he says, Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. It's great, right? That's the good news. That's the power of the gospel. And so what is he really trying to say here? What is the Hebrew writer, what's God's point in this last little section uh, of, of Hebrews? Really, his point from Hebrews 8 through Hebrews 10. What is he trying to get us to see? He spent an awful lot of time trying to get us to see something. So what is that thing? What's he want us to see? What's he demanding that we see? If you're not confident in your forgiveness, then you'll start looking to things for assurance. You'll start looking to other things for, for assurance. If you're not confident in your salvation, if you're not confident in your forgiveness, if you're not confident that God has erased all, all these things, all these sins that are, are, are held against you, if you're not confident in that, then what? You'll start looking for something to put your confidence in. That's how our minds work. And so we started this lesson with fear. We started talking about fear and how fear will make you do strange things. This is one of the things that fear will do to us. If we're not confident in our salvation, if we're not confident in our forgiveness, our fear will drive us to put our confidence in something else. In the Old Testament, they would run to foreign <clears throat> nations for their salvation. And you know what he always called them? Every time when Israel would go to a foreign nation, God would say something. You're going back to, a, you're leaning on a broken reed. For those of you guys that use canes or walkers, what would happen if you sawed uh, most of the way through that cane or that walker? And you try to lean on it, you try to put some weight on it. You'd fall, wouldn't you? Um, that's exactly what God's saying about ancient Israel. That's what he would say to us as well. You put your thing, your trust in things that can't hold you up. When you're denying the one who can. The only one who can. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> so, if you don't put your faith in him, if you are not confident in your salvation, if you're not confident in your forgiveness... You'll find something to put your confidence in. The audience the Hebrew writers talking to here wasn't confident in their salvation. They weren't confident that God could hold them through. And so what are they? What's fear driving them back to? The old law, right? They're, they're wanting to go back to that. Well, why, is that. why do they like that so much? Can't they see that there's no power in sacrifices? We'll talk about that in just a second. But they liked it, I think, because they could touch it. They were a part of it. 
They could take the sacrifices and know that this was something that came out of their flock, something that came out of their bank account, and they were trying to make it right with God. This is a hands-on thing. I think that's why they liked it, because they could feel it, right? They could reach out and touch these things. And so that's why they had so much confidence in that, that in its history. Um, they, they grew up doing these things. And so they put their confidence in that. And the Hebrew writer says, you're going back to a dead system. God doesn't, he doesn't relate to those people anymore. He doesn't, there's not a bridge there anymore. He, you can't go back into Judaism because it's, it's faulty. He, he's erased, he's eradicated that, that relationship, uh, that bridge to the relationship that he had with, with man. And so, why would you put your faith in that? Well, because they had to put their faith in something, and so do you. And if your faith's not going to be in God, it's going to be in something else. If you're not confident in your salvation, you're going to find something to assuage that fear. Fear's going to drive you to do some pretty silly things, won't it? We look back on the Kodak company and think, how silly. Some of us were watching that happen. And thinking, what are you doing? Right? I remember thinking, duh, digital uh, photography is so much better than, than Polaroids, right? I think a lot of you were probably in the same boat, but they couldn't see it. Because fear, right? We act in the exact same way spiritually. If you're not putting your confidence in Him, if you're not confident in your salvation, you're going to find something to assuage that fear. You're going to find something to be confident about. Flip back over to Matthew chapter 6. We talked about this in, in our Bible class this morning. And I think this is, this is one of our big hang-ups. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus is talking about this exact same concept. You can't serve two masters, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It just doesn't work. One of them will overrule the other. And whichever one you allow to rule in your life will eradicate the other one. Whichever one you pick will kill the other one. I think we like money for this exact same reason that the Jewish people like the old law. Because we can touch it. If you've got it in your bank account, if you've got it on your debit card, what can you do? Well, you can do a lot of stuff. It's really handy to have it here, isn't it? It's useful. And I can do a lot of different things, things that I want to do, things that I enjoy, things that I need to do. I can do that with, with money. And so I like to put my faith in it because I can touch it. And if I don't have enough of it, I can find a way to get enough of it, right? I can pick up a second job and get a loan or whatever. I can, I can, I can make progress on that. I can put my hands on it. I can touch it. And so I put my faith in that sometimes. I think you do too. I think it's a, a mankind thing. I think it's a human thing. Because we can touch it. We can feel it. 
And if I can touch and feel something, it feels much more real to me, doesn't it? I think that's why the Jewish people struggled to come into the kingdom. Because Jesus is saying, this isn't something you can touch. This is a different system. We struggle. Because when we get afraid, what do you do? Money will fix it, right? If I can have enough money, it'll fix it. If you're sick, you can go find a clinician somewhere that'll fix it, right? It may cost a lot of money, but they can fix it. If you are tired, what do you do? You go on vacation, right? If you're really tired, you go on a really big vacation. And so you need money to fix it, right? We're using this thing to assuage our fear. We put our confidence in this. <coughs> we put our confidence in money and we're using it to assuage our fear when our confidence ought to be in God and allow Him to assuage our fear. But it's hard because we can't reach out and touch them, can we? And so we run back to money. And we run back to other things that ultimately don't have any power. It's kind of funny that we do this with money because it doesn't have any power beyond this life, right? We're all pretty familiar with, with its power here. It's fine, whatever. But it doesn't have any power beyond this life, right? And in fact, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus meets a young guy who's got an awful lot of it. He's got an awful lot of money. His bank account, you would say, would be flush. Listen to what Jesus tells this guy in verse 25, 24. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He says, this guy had an awful lot of faith in his money. And when Jesus told him to give it away, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. He walked away sad, but he still walked away. His confidence was in what? Sure wasn't in Jesus, was it? It was in his money. <coughs> Sorry. And his fear had made his faith been attached to his money. We're all going to be afraid, right? Life's a scary thing. We come into all kinds of situations that you ought to be scared of, right? It's just the unknown is terrifying. We've encountered that in bright color over the last two years, haven't we? We're all afraid. It matters what you do with fear. What do you do with it? And where's your confidence at? These guys, in the book of Hebrews, he's saying, you need to put your confidence in God because he's the only one <coughs> who can affect not just this life. He has power in this life. But unlike everything else we know, he has power in the next life. And so I'd, I attach myself to him, I align myself with him. 
and I don't align myself with stuff here that doesn't have any power there, but also would take me away from there, right? Money makes it harder for me to live in the hereafter. Makes it harder for me to get to the hereafter. That's the only power it has. It throws a stumbling block in your way. So why am I putting my confidence in that? It's hard to get rid of it, isn't it? It's hard to get over that hump. But if I put my confidence in Him, all that other stuff falls into place. We talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in our class this morning as they were thrown into the fiery furnace. They are the perfect illustration for this because their confidence was 100% in God. Didn't, didn't have any confidence in anything else. Not the things that they could see. Not as they were being led toward the fire. Not as it had to, they had to feel the heat from it before they were even thrown into it. The Bible says that, these, that the guards that threw them into it uh, died because the fire was so hot. They didn't even get in the fire. I wonder if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt the, the heat before they got into it. If they did, it didn't matter. Their confidence wasn't here. Their confidence is there in heaven with God. And so their fear is assuaged by Him. Not by something that doesn't have the power to take away fear. It's a hard lesson, isn't it? I think that's why the, the author of Hebrews, that's why the Holy Spirit spent so much time with us, trying to get us to see this over the last several weeks. you got to put your confidence in Him, not in anything else, because everything else is a broken reed. It's just going to fall. And it's going to make you fall. We need Him. We have a perennial need as, as humanity. We need a Savior because we have a problem. We have a sin problem. And it's something that humanity has. It doesn't matter whether you're young, old, black, white. doesn't matter. It's something we all deal with. And so how do you deal with a sin problem? You find Jesus. And you see what he says about it. Through the Bible, we know that his answer to the sin problem is this cleansing power of Christ. And in that blood, we have found forgiveness, complete and total, unadulterated, scandalous forgiveness. No matter who, where you've been or what you've done, complete and total forgiveness. Will you accept it? It's yours. It's waiting. Through the power of baptism, He washes away your sins. Are you willing to submit to Him today? That's really what it comes down to. Like we've talked about throughout this lesson, are you confident in Him? Are you confident in something else? Because if you're confident in something else, that'll, that'll fall. No doubt about it. That'll fail you every time. But if you're confident in Him, He never fails. He always comes through. He has a way of coming through every time. So where's your confidence at?
decision time. So what are you going to do? Will you come to him? Will you submit to him? Will you live your life for him? Will you give over everything for him? Or are you going to put your confidence in something else? If you have any this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing? Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would your evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonderful power in the blood. Good morning, church family. What a blessing it is to be here this morning. Chris, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you and everything uh, you do for this for the church. Um, I see a lot of people wearing sweaters and jackets. Uh, today's first day of spring. I don't know if y'all heard that, but uh, we're not really dressed in our spring attire, so, but uh, happy first day of spring, everybody. Um, tonight at six o'clock is our third Sunday singing. Uh, if you, if John here didn't sing your favorite song this morning, put it out on the board. Uh, we'll sing it tonight at six o'clock. Uh, just put down the page number and also the song you want to sing. Uh, we'll be more than happy to sing that song for you this evening at six o'clock. Um, also, there's a middle school and high school devotional at my house after services tonight. Um, so all the middle school and high school kids, I do encourage you to come to that. Also, there's a deacons and elders meeting today at 5 o'clock. Uh, so all deacons, please come to that. Um, also, I got some great news. I know uh, Eddie and June would be tickle pink uh, if they... Uh, if they were still here with us, and I do miss them tremendously, but uh, Ted Edwards and Elizabeth Bramer are now engaged. 
So that's great news. Uh, take a moment after services. All ladies go see the ring because uh, she, she said yes to the ring. I think that's a show or is it yes to the dress? I don't know, but um, I can't keep up with it. But, um, but congratulations, y'all, too. That's great news. Um, updates on our prayer list. Uh, J.D. Lawson, that is J.B. and Wanda's uh, grandson, he's 14 years old. Uh, the doctors did not remove his pacemaker that we mentioned last Sunday, but they did not remove it. Um, he's going to go through some tests for the next three months to see if, uh, if he still uh, needs the pacemaker. Just remember to continue to keep uh, J.D. Lawson in your prayers at this time. Remember to continue to keep Roger Pryor in your prayers. He's at home. He's going through physical therapy at this time. So remember to keep uh, Roger and Peg in your prayers uh, uh, at this time. Also, Yvonne Cornell, she's still at St. Mary's, am I right? Okay. Uh, remember Yvonne Cornell in your prayers as she's at St. Mary's and the doctors who are taking care of her. <clears throat> Jim Haney has asked for prayers as well. He's having some side effects from his medication. I uh, know that can be tricky, so remember to continue to keep Jim Haney in your prayers. Uh, Tony Blake's little boy, Mikey, um, had another seizure last week, so remember to keep Mikey in your prayers. Remember to continue to keep Pam Leap in your prayers um, as she heals with her robotic arm, looks like. She's got all these hinges and everything on there, but uh, remember to continue to keep Pam in your prayers as she heals. Um, I will have uh, gallbladder surgery on the 31st. Um, so remember to keep me in your prayers um, as I have that done. Also, Judy Gerald has asked for prayers at this time. So keep Judy in your prayers and continue to keep Jennifer Baker in your prayers as she goes through her, her cancer treatments and uh, Casey and the rest of that family. And also continue to keep Kristen James and that family in your prayers as what they're going through at this difficult time. Also, uh, that's all the announcements I have. Uh, don't forget to grab a bulletin on your way out. We have so many other, other of our members that need your prayers. Um, and we have so many other activities going on here at Rome and also outside of Rome. Uh, so don't forget to grab a road journal on your way out so you can plan your schedule accordingly. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody once again at 6 o'clock. And we'll sing one more song and be dismissed. Okay, the elders and deacons will meet after services tonight, and the deacons will meet at 5, um, and the elders will meet um, afterwards. Is there any other announcements I may have missed? All right. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 680. 680. <clears throat> There's not a friend. Sing the first and last verse. And then Brother Nathan Payne will lead us in prayer. <clears throat> There's not a friend like the Lord Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Not after you.
Will you bow with me, please? Our wonderful Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the blessings of life, for the sunshine and the warmth that it's provided, for the chance to gather around with fellow Christians and worship your high and holy name. We ask that you uh, be with us as we go throughout this day and throughout this week. May we take the lesson that uh, Chris taught us today and help to uh, strengthen our faith and make us to be bold and not fearful in our lives and spreading your message throughout this community. Be with all those who were mentioned uh, previously, who are sick and ailing in one way or the other. Forgive us when we go wrong and bring us back again at the next appointed time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.